So that uh, is a good one. Just go look for it online. We want to go to our next story now, and it's a story uh, as part of word domination. As you know, this is where we look at books, where we try to understand um, the role of books in our life. We uh, do so many different ways of looking at um, the way words engage with us. Now, I read an article recently. It was on the Daily Maverick. Well done to them for their award, the Nat Nakasa Award last night. And it's written by an author called Emma Dollery. We tried our best to get Emma on the line, but um, could not get hold of her. But I'd like to read the opening of what she says in the article. She writes, A picture is worth a thousand words. So goes the age-old platitude. One can read about conflict and war, about a person being brutally tortured or shot or burnt, but no words, no matter how evocative, will have the same formidable impact as that of a photographer, a stilling of a terrible moment, a reflection of a horror that happened in real life. But what does it mean to photograph and immortalize violence? And what does it mean to bear witness to it as an onlooker? So that's uh, the journalist Emma Dollery. And the book we're going to look at today is a book called Brother or Other, depending on how you look at the title. And it is a, a series of photographs by the photographer James Otway and the photographer Alon Skoy. These are not easy photographs. It's charged. It focuses on the narrative of xenophobia in this country, and it looks at diverse photos based on the xenophobic attacks we have seen over the last decade or so. It's hard and it's important reading and viewing. And I say reading because whilst the photographs are there, it is also filled with um, a series of really, really interesting essays by uh, journalists, by a judge, the Constitutional Court judge, by photographers themselves. On the line with us, we have James Otway. James, thank you so much for joining us. James, I want to go to uh, ask you, this is not exactly a coffee table book. I mean, it's a very beautifully put together book, but hardly coffee table when one considers the images. And I wondered what the rationale for you as a photojournalist was to put these images that you and Alon Skoy had taken over the years with regards to xenophobia into a book uh, for uh, general, one could say, public usage. Yeah, well, um, that's exactly, um, I mean, you've, you've touched on it right there. What happened, we, we've been taking these pictures, you know, since 2008, basically. And um, in 2018, we had an exhibition. It was held at the, the Joburg Holocaust and Genocide Center. And uh, the exhibition was called Killing, Killing the Other. And it it was like lots of the photographs that are in this book, and um, we 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 quickly realised when we had the exhibition um, that this is really important because what is what was happening is that the the issue seemed to be um, getting I don't know getting worse I guess mm. you know xenophobia was was getting worse and and we, we had the exhibition and then. Um, it was up to about a month, and, and we realized that these pictures are now just gathering dust. So we started speaking about how can we keep the, the, the conversation going? Um, how can we keep this in the, in the public eye? And, 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 and that's when we started talking about doing a book about it. So, yeah, that's, that's sort of how it came about. 
I mean, you must have thought about it again in the last week when we saw the recent an- announcement of Jolidi Matongo uh, as the mayor of Joburg. Now, we're not talking about his political nous in any kind of a way, but the response of many people to the fact that his father was Zimbabwean, even though his mother is South African, was really problematic given the, the xenophobia of the response. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Xenophobia doesn't make sense uh, to me at, at all. You know, first of all, if, if, if you just think about um, the, the fact that borders were just drawn up, like borders in Africa were drawn up by white men who sat, sat around the table in Germany in the 1800s. So, if, I mean, firstly, that's, that's, that's kind of r- ridiculous because they, they drew lines on the map and these lines uh, separated villages they separated families, they separated, um, you know, tribes, uh, and 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 now, for for us, you know, more than a hundred years later, to be actually, you know, protecting these by vilifying other people and threatening violence and actually carrying out acts of brutal violence against the other is it, it doesn't really make sense to me. But what 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 I have noticed is that um, you know with with xenophobia in South Africa. We had the attacks in 2008, and uh, they were really terrible. But then we didn't really have any major outbreaks for several years after that. And I, I, I guess you could say we were in um, sort of like idiot's bliss, maybe, because mm. I, I mean, I thought that maybe we'd seen the last of it. But then in 2015, we had a big one again. And then suddenly after that, it was 2017, 2018, you know, and now it's, it's happening, you know, even last year during the, the lockdown. Um, I, and, and these photographs aren't in the book, but um, I, I photographed xenophobic violence in a place called Polar Park on the East Rand, where Zimbabweans who had been living in the, in the area for years, um, people raided their homes and took out all their furniture and had big bonfires in the middle of the street in broad daylight. Now, now remember, this is during level five lockdown, so the mm. army were deployed on the streets and stuff, but people had their belongings burnt in bonfires in the middle of the street in broad daylight because they're from Zimbabwe. You know, James, um, so the, the book, and it's important for many people to know that the book is a series of really tough photos there are, are, are the bodies of people who have been murdered, um, which as a photojournalist, I suppose one could say, is part of your duty to take photographs of. And Greg Marinovich in the book, um, who's a filmmaker, photo- uh, Pulitzer Prize winning photographer, um, and also the author of that extraordinary book, The Bang Bang Club, writes, the duty of a photojournalist is to bear witness, to show the world what is happening and to hope that society will act. So first of all, you have borne witness that you have taken up your duty. You've borne witness. These are many photographs that have been on the front pages of uh, newspapers all around the world. Secondly, you have shown us what is happening. But thirdly, hope that society will act. Do you feel that society is acting? No, I don't. And, and this is what's really frustrating for me personally. Um, you know, it. it um, and 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 it's the same for me and Alon Sky, who you know the two of mm-hmm. us did this book together. Um, you know we we've we've been out there and, and we've been photographing these things, and it's not easy to see this, obviously. 
um, and and we took real care in in how we um, curated the images in the book. So yes. it, it was it was a very difficult process to to go through all of our pictures over the years, uh, and and it's not, it's not something that we took lightly because you know we know that these images are hard. Um, so so we did our best to try to. Um, you know, put them in context, which is extremely important, yeah. um, and that's why that's why we have all the essays and the writings by you know, various academics and Huge experts authority. and and uh, different voices. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also tried to balance it out. We we, we try to show um, people, you know, who aren't you know only in situations of extreme desperation, um, and 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 we try to carry the dignity like human dignity through the book as well mm. um but yeah it, it, it is very um, frustrating to see like like that something like xenophobia is actually it's actually getting worse in our society and people aren't talking about it it's like a, a big hidden secret that that everyone knows about but no one wants to speak about and yeah. um if, if if you look on on twitter or social media you'll see um, you know, migrants being referred to as cockroaches, locusts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people say let's sanitize our neighborhoods, and, and and this is very dehumanizing language. And we see more and more of it, and it's 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 just quite frankly, it's wrong. Mm. And I know that um, that's the kind of language that was used in Rwanda before uh, the massive genocide took place, and radio stations used that language. Um, you mention uh, the dignity of people. There is a photo at the end of the book, and I'm just going to mention it before I go back to my next question. It's of a man reading his Bible at a temporary shelter, and he's on the grass, sitting on the grass, reading his Bible. Um, interestingly for me, that was the one that actually brought me to tears. Um, I think that when I looked at it, I felt so sad that we could other other people... And yet they, you know, just like us in so many different ways. Yeah, I mean, we, we need to understand that most migrants uh, in South Africa, they haven't just come here because they want to. It, it's a very difficult decision to, you know, uproot yourself and your family and, you know, come with what, what little, little possessions you have uh, to a whole different place. And, and and this is what what people have done. It's they they are not here just for fun. They're here because they're fleeing uh, either a conflict or violence. You know, if, if you look at um, what's happening in places like the DRC, uh, Cameroon, um, East Africa, Somalia, East Ethiopia, there's there's war. It's war there, and it's people are fleeing from from war. Uh, so it's not like they just came here t- because they're like, ah, oh, there's a bunch of people over there that we can take advantage of, which is what I sometimes think we South Africans uh, think it's like. Um, yeah, that picture you speak about, um, that was in 2008, and it was just a scene that I came across, um, you know, behind a, it was like a, a recreational center or something like that that had been converted into a, uh, almost like a refugee, um, like safe haven. And I was just walking around and I just looked outside and there was a sports field and, and I saw that man um, praying there. And, you know, to me, 
it was really, um, yeah, it was quite a moving scene because mm. he's got his, his, his little suitcase there, which has got all his possessions, you know. It's a very, very small suitcase, but that's it. That's all he has, you know. Um, yeah. You know, that's, that's everything that he's collected over his life, and it's in that suitcase. We're talking to James Otway, one of the co-writers or co-authors of a book called Brother Other. He is a photojournalist. And uh, certainly some of the images are stark and difficult. James, one of the questions, of course, and this is a question that has been spoken about over many, many years for photojournalists, is the question of ethics and morality. Uh, Do you take the photo or do you support the person? And I'm thinking about the story of Emmanuel Sitole. It's a critical one in describing, A, us as South Africans, but B, the role um, as a journalist. Perhaps you can briefly talk us through that, uh, that experience. Yeah, um, those pictures of um, Emmanuel Sitole, um, you know, which I took in 2015, I came, I came under quite quite heavy criticism um, after taking those pictures because I, I shot them uh, on, on a Saturday morning. It was quite a cold, uh, overcast day, similar to today, actually, um, in 2015. And... Um, you know, obviously these photos show a man's death, his final moments, and, and they were run on the front page of the Sunday Times the following day. Um, and a lot of people, uh, you know, demanded, you know, rightfully so, that they, they wanted to know why hadn't I helped this person. Um, let, let me just start by saying that I think a lot of people who saw those photographs didn't realize that it took 27 seconds from when I took the first picture to the, the last picture of the attack. Mm. So I think I think a lot of people perhaps thought that it was 10 or 15 minutes that that I was standing around and while this attack was happening, it happened suddenly. Um, and and in in my in my opinion, I was intervening by taking pictures. So I, I saw this attack happening and I got closer. And I started taking photographs. That's the only thing that I, you know, was there to do. Would you do it again? Yes, I would. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually very happy that those pictures were run on the front page as well because it created a, a, a massive um, yeah. um, outrage. And ultimately, those, those attacks in 2015 ceased um, because that picture was published on the front page of the Sunday Times. You know, I want to jump in, James, and I think that um, the, the responsibility lies not only with you as the photographer, and you, 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 have cho- you chose your responsibility as a journalist, and we've been talking about journalists throughout the show, but there's a very interesting article in the book by Justice Matlala where he talks about the man in the leather jacket, the brown leather jacket, and essentially what those photographs look at is the bystanders and how the bystanders stand around and watch. And there is only one man amongst the photographs who actually is making an effort to try and stop what is a murder. Yeah, and and that's that's part of the reason that we included that article in the book is because it actually gives it gives me hope personally because it shows that you know people do care you know um, the man in, in the leather jacket he was just walking up the road one day. Uh, and and he decided to get involved. He was known, you know, in that area. He lived in that in that same area, and he, you know, he subsequently. I'm I'm actually still in contact with him, 
that he subsequently had to move house because he was, um, you know, he um, had death threats against him and so on. But um, I think it's something that, that we can all learn from yes. because, you know, especially these days when we see so much xenophobic, um, you know, vitriol on on social media, we shouldn't just be quiet. We we should actually speak up because we, we know that, you know, migrants are human beings and it's actually irresponsible of us to just keep quiet when we see uh, people being dehumanized and, and, and also threatened with violence. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, but perhaps people disagree with me, but I actually don't care what your issues are, but you cannot justify um, killing people because you think that they, they don't belong in your country. There are other ways of voicing your disapproval, uh, and, and there's, there's other ways of you know raising awareness about your, your issues. You don't have to resort to brutal violence. James Otway, I want to say thank you so much for joining us and also to yourself and Alon Skoy for an extremely powerful book. It's called Brother or Other and uh, published by Jakana Books, a series of photos, as I say, extremely charged, very difficult to look at and read, but uh, well, well worth the actual doing and raising a conversation not just around xenophobia, but the role of a photojournalist in difficult times like this. It's nine o'clock. It's time for the news. Good morning.